Welcome to the First Love Podcast for January 19th, 2020. From First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, with Reverend Jonathan Warren. Reverend Warren's sermon title today is Hope-Filled and Dynamic. After Reverend Warren's sermon, you'll be able to enjoy guest music scholar Hope singing the culmination. Paul's letter to the Romans. Let's listen to chapter 15, verses 4 through 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another. Therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you with the glory of God, for I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know you're very familiar with our gospel story. We find Jesus in Jerusalem. He's teaching in the temple. All these folks start gathering around him. The scribes and Pharisees decide to bring him somebody. It's a woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. They carefully remind Jesus the law Moses commanded is to stone adulterers. So they ask Jesus in front of everybody, right there in the temple, what he thinks about it. And they ask him, now what do you say? This would be certainly easy to answer if it were hypothetical. Certainly there needs to be law and order. Communities should be organized around rules. But right now there's a living breathing woman in front of Jesus, and they want to know what he says about what she did. I don't know about you, but I'm wondering, where's the man, right? This community, the religious leaders in Jerusalem, the scribes and the Pharisees are asking Jesus how he prioritizes God's law. For if Jesus neglects the law here, then Jesus is a fraud and says God's laws do not matter. The community, the leaders, telling us that the law here in this place is above grace. And then, soon after, we see Jesus drawing something in the sand. Maybe it's a line in the sand. 
curious. What kind of lines do we draw in the sand? What are we willing or unwilling to stand up for? Reality is the world often puts rules above grace. Our world tells us that we're supposed to look out for number one. Uh, Me and my family are the most important, period. And if we're the most important, then where does that put others? So our world teaches us in subtle and not so subtle ways to prop ourselves up. And if others aren't as important, then certainly our inclination would be to judge others to push others down, possibly. And all this, in essence, should help us feel better about ourselves, right? Now, part of the reason it's hard to be followers of Christ is because it seems to go against what our world teaches us. As children, we're taught to be rule followers. If we follow the rules, then we'll get rewarded, right? Or the opposite, Uh, I don't know about you, but I was taught at a very young age that I better listen and mind or else. There's all these places with spoken and unspoken rules, our government, school, work, families, clubs, even the movie theater and library, they all have rules. And we don't like it when folks don't follow the rules. As we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day tomorrow, we also recognize that sometimes our laws or rules aren't right, that they need to be changed. There are times in our world that the lines in the sand we've created are in need of change. Yet often, it takes a lot of work for our world to really change those. For even when we recognize things need to change, it still takes generations generations. It takes real transformation to really move that line in the sand. A rule on a paper is just that. I would imagine that most of us draw a line in the sand. Some of us use our experience or circumstances. Some even use our faith to create these lines in the sand. In fact, it'd be Easy to judge the very scribes and Pharisees who've asked Jesus about this adulterous woman. It'd be easy to say that those are the bad guys, right? Of course we'd pick grace over law. But the reality is, if you live in this world, it's not our go-to. Our world tells us to follow rules, to judge, to push others down, and while we might be rewarded for doing these things, it doesn't always give us a reward. Now let's get back to the story and look at at it a little closer. What did Jesus draw in the sand? Was it a line? Was it words? It says he bent down and wrote on the ground, what did Jesus write? I don't know if you've ever wondered that. But we don't actually know what he wrote. It never tells us. But as they kept questioning Jesus, he stands up and says, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he bends down and he writes on the ground, He writes something. 
It must be significant. Some scholars wonder if Jesus wrote down each of their sins. Nobody really knows. Maybe he wrote the law. Whatever it was, one by one, beginning with the elders, they begin to leave. And all who was left with Jesus was this woman. Nobody was left to throw a stone or condemn her. And that's when Jesus replies, neither do I. Go on your way, and from now on, don't sin again. And this is the very place where hope is. For Jesus calls the community to act in grace. Rather than in judgment, he puts grace above the law. Jesus points out that none of them is in a place to judge others. Cast a stone if you are without sin. And none of them cast a stone. And this woman receives grace and love and hope in this very moment, today. Psychologist William Marston asked 3,000 people, what have you lived to live for? He's shocked to discover that 94% were simply enduring the present while they waited for the future, while they waited for something to happen, waited for next year, waited for tomorrow. And able to see that all anyone ever has is today. Because yesterday is gone. And tomorrow only exists in hope. Our God is a God of hope for today. Sometimes as Christians, we yearn for what is to come, but we learn from this woman, and even in Romans, that we can share and experience God's love, grace, and hope today. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Many years ago, Angus Connolly was a prominent businesswoman, businessman, rather, and an active member of the Lutheran Church. His daughter, who lived in another state, had just had a baby and would be in town soon for a visit. Angus decided that his grandson should be baptized and waited until after the service to speak to the pastor. I want you to do it, Angus said. The pastor felt the baby should be baptized in the church where that child would grow up in his hometown, but Angus uh, made some phone calls, and at the council meeting, it was unanimously decided that Angus' grandson would be baptized. Against his better judgment, the pastor baptized Ryan O'Connolly Smith. In the Lutheran liturgy, there's a place where the pastor asks, who shall stand with this child? At the pastor's question this Sunday, 60 members of the O'Connolly family stood saying, I will stand with this child. Then, a few months later, the pastor received a phone call from a woman named Miriam. Her 17-year-old daughter, Lori, had just given birth, and they wanted to baptize the baby. The pastor brought it before the council, and there was a long debate. What message will we send to the other youth, teenagers that Lori attended youth group with last year? 
wondered maybe there could be a private ceremony, but the pastor reminded them that a baptism was a community celebration, not a private affair. It was finally decided to allow the baptism. Soon the day came that the baby was to be baptized. Lori carried her daughter to the baptismal font alone. For her, the walk down the aisle took forever. She didn't notice the judgmental looks, the eyes that turned away. And the pastor reached the place where he asked, who shall stand with this child? There was a pause. That's when the pastor nodded to Miriam, her grandmother. This is where she would stand alone. Reluctantly, Miriam stood alone, her eyes downcast, ashamed in front of the whole congregation. For she didn't want to meet her friend's eyes. Then, amazingly, Lori's sixth grade Sunday school teacher stood and said, I will stand with this child. Youth group leader stood and the entire youth group, I will stand with this child. One by one, each member of the congregation stood. Angus O'Connolly stood, I will stand with this child, they each said. I don't know about you, but I don't want what the world offers. For it doesn't seem very hope-filled, and while rules and laws have their place, I want to be part of something much more hope-filled one that doesn't look only to tomorrow for hope, but to be part of a community, a dynamic community that provides hope today. That's our task. Maybe shift those lines in the sand and to stand up, to lean into loving others, to extend grace, to not draw so many lines in the sand. I think that's why we say what we do every week. Because Jesus brings hope every hour and every day. He allows us to stand for love, grace, mercy, That's what we really need. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the hope and of the Spirit. Amen. death 
Thank you for listening to the First Love Podcast. For more information about the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois, visit our webpage at www.firstpresjax.org. That's www.firstpresjax.org. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. The church phone is 217-245-4189. Street address is 870 West College. Children and adult Sunday school services are every Sunday from 9 to 9.45 a.m. Sunday church service starts at 10 a.m. We invite you to visit us whenever you're in the neighborhood. 